Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. I, I, I hope in advance this will turn out okay. Uh, I say that because, uh, unfortunately, I noticed... Uh, uh, what are called scotoma and visual field defects not uh, not so long ago uh, this afternoon and uh, that uh, is the classic um, uh, symptoms which lead up to a migraine so I've taken some anti-migraine medicines crossed my fingers and uh, so far so good no pounding headache but uh, but it just may uh, may just slow me down a step so uh, that's my excuse if we have some flubs my producer's looking at me like, what is this scotoma? Kind of hard to describe. They look like a, a zigzag, and these are what um, people often get, what's called a classic prodrome that leads up to um, uh, the onset of a migraine headache, also known as a migraine aura. We would like to thank uh, Franz Senecal for the guests we're going to have in our second segment today, representing Pastors for Peace and the Friendship Caravan to Cuba will be Pablo Stansberry. He is a developmental psychologist and will be talking to us about Pastors for Peace and what perhaps you can do to help uh, very needy people down in the Caribbean. That in segment two today. Our quote of the day comes from Anton Chekhov, who noted that any idiot can face a crisis. It's day-to-day living that wears you out. On this date in history, and this is sort of, this is strangely apropos for this program, in 1992, the comet Shoemaker-Levy 9, which was by that point torn into about 23 pieces by Jupiter's uh, gravitational forces, Orbited around the planet and came slamming back into the atmosphere with the uh, the force of the largest nuclear weapons ever ever exploded, times I don't know a hundred. This uh, this collision of comet pieces into Jupiter was an event never before directly observed, and uh, the shoemaker of. Um, Shoemaker-Levy was Gene Shoemaker, which I remember from television back in the early days of Crash Landing on the Moon. They kept going to this very nice fellow, Gene Shoemaker, who would explain what was going on. And I certainly thought of Gene Shoemaker when, on the 4th of July, a probe from NASA basically did a hard landing on a comet. So we've 1992, we saw a comet hit a planet, and now we basically have... Uh, gone out and punched one ourselves. If, uh, if you've not already done so, and you probably have since apparently a million hits were on the NASA website in the wake of this, go take a look at these stunning photographs of, uh, of the explosion on the surface of the comet after the impact uh, of 
the space probe. And yes, there were two probes. One was whizzing by taking pictures. The other did a kamikaze uh, run into the side, uh, side of the barn, so to speak. If you remember your physics, force is one-half mv squared, and when v is 23,000 miles an hour, that's a lot of force. By the way, if you could fly that speed, you could go from here to New York in six minutes. We would like to again call your attention to a special event taking down at 10th and O Streets in Sacramento at the Museum of History, Women, and the Arts. Norman Lear has provided for the citizenry uh, in the local area to uh, come and look at one of the 25 surviving copies of the Declaration of Independence, which was set into type on the, the night um, of the signing of um, Thomas Jefferson's uh, handwritten version of the Declaration. Very cool to go actually see what started this nation on uh, on the course that led to uh, <laughs> the, the great nation state we are today. But uh, but seriously, it is very cool to have this. It was sent out, uh, it was basically set into type to go out to the colonies to, to, to have a call for a Declaration of Independence from Great Britain. And uh, it finally made its first appearance in Northern California last week. So it's, it's taken a while for this, uh, this proclamation to reach here in its physical, uh, physical entity, but it, it's finally made it. Better, better late than never. Apparently this copy of the Declaration arrived in, in Sacramento was dedicated by the governor and the First Lady of California, after which it was whisked back to Philadelphia, which I found out when I dropped by the museum on Saturday morning. To, uh, to, to view this uh, celebrated document, and there was nobody in the museum, hardly, and, uh, and, you know, the parchment was back in Philly. Well, since our last program, the two biggest stories are undoubtedly the, uh, the, crash, uh, the crash landing onto the comet. We're not going to talk about that much today, but we are very much looking forward to doing so in a future program, hopefully with some, uh, some JPL-type folks. And the other big story, the, uh, the retirement of Sandra Day O'Connor, confounding everyone who was quite sure that William Rehnquist was going to be the next person to step down. Rehnquist can't be too, much, uh, can't be too far behind, but, uh, but it will be O'Connor who will be replaced, someone who's been the pivotal voice on that court. I think they, they mentioned on, um, on, on the radio that out of the recent, most recent 193 Supreme Court decisions that were settled by a five to four majority. Sandra Day O'Connor sided with the majority 108 times. She has famously refused to go along with the four conservative judges in, in overturning Roe v. Wade. This is going to be quite a political fight uh, over who will replace Sandra Day O'Connor. Stay tuned. Because, you know, we'll be talking about it. All right, let's do what... You know, it's really becoming my favorite section of this program. Our daily read of the uh, the good week for, bad week for section of The Week magazine, which seems to be just written specifically for this program. Let's do a few. It was a good week for desperation last week after lawmakers in Rio de Janeiro voted to eliminate the speed limit in parts of the city so motorists can go fast enough to elude robbers and carjackers. 
All right, we have to ask Kirsten Stanford about this one. Be you know our our, our fellow public affairs uh, show host, whose Tuesday morning eight thirty show has actually apparently been named on uh, the thirty second position on a list of one hundred blogging sites out on the web. Uh, so we're, we should we should ask Kirsten about this, and congratulations to her on the show for that. According to a study done in Bristol, which is in the UK, a university. These uh, these Bristol experts decided that white cars are favored by birds as a target for their mid-air droppings. Now, I'm I'm skeptical about this. I have a hard time believing that that birds are actually bombing cars out there. But uh, in the UK, they they said that well, birds may prefer to quote bomb unquote white cars because they associate the color with predators. I, I don't know, maybe in Alaska. I'm not buying that. And if, Christian, if you're listening, send me, send me an email on that. Let me, let me know what you think, will you? Last week was judged a good week for conspiracy theories after Zimbabwe's state-run newspaper claimed that recent droughts in southern Africa were deliberately caused by British and American secret weapons. The conspiracy to remove the Zimbabwean government has gone chemical, said the Harare Herald. We're going to be talking to somebody from Africa on next week's program and see if we can't talk a little bit about uh, Mr. Mugabe, the Marxist uh, ruler of that, uh, that rather beautiful southern African nation who uh, for a couple decades was praised for not being half as bad as people thought he was going to be. Well, unfortunately, now in his old age, he's, uh, he's fulfilling almost everyone's um, worst, uh, worst case scenario regarding his, uh, his leadership of the nation. Okay, I th- this one might be my actually second all-time favorite item in this good week for bad week for uh, selection. It was it was judged a bad week for buying and holding last week after a Taiwanese stock trader using a new computer system bought two hundred and fifty-one million dollars worth of shares by accident. Fubon Securities fired the trader but then announced, quote, with a good outlook for stocks in the second half, there are no plans to sell the shares in the near term, unquote. I would feel very bad if on my home computer I accidentally bought $250 million worth of stock shares. How does that stuff happen? All right, final item. It was a good week for long relief last week after Seattle Mariners pitcher Matt Thornton had to climb a fence and stand in line for a public restroom during a baseball game because the San Diego Padres' new stadium has no toilet in the visitors' bullpen. Said Matt Thornton, I met a guy named Stan who invented a baseball cap with a handle so you could take it off fast to catch foul balls. You have to ask, how is it humanly possible to construct a bullpen? In a new stadium, a new major league baseball stadium that neglects to include a toilet. I don't get it. My producer's muttering, well, it was just the visitor's bullpen. I know it's a long tradition of trying to get an edge in, in professional sports, but uh, I think that's, that's a low blow. Now, there has been some tragic news from the state of Florida. There's evidently been two shark attacks, uh, one, uh, three shark attacks, I think, one of them fatal, which is causing them to empty beaches, wide swaths of beach, uh, you know, all, all across Florida. 
for fear of shark attack. And, and of course, there there is a certain amount of risk of this. But uh, the hysteria that seems to grip the nation every time there's a, a fatal shark attack is a little bit odd in, in wake of the following statistics. The average number of Americans killed per year by sharks is one. Compare that to the number of people each year who are gored to death by cattle, 24. People who are fatally thrown off horses, 88. Or people who are killed when their cars collide with deer, 168. So we really should put this in perspective. The score stands Jaws 1, Bambi 168. And, uh, and speaking of beaches, perhaps you noticed in the travel section, they're trying to induce people back to, um, to Southeast Asia in, in the wake of the tsunami, noting that beaches are empty. Nobody is coming. And I discovered a uh, partial explanation from that from the following item. Fear of ghosts is keeping Asian tourists from returning to tsunami-stricken areas, travel industry experts said this week. Many Asian societies believe that if the dead are not properly buried, their agitated souls will wander the world. Thus, travel agents from China, Taiwan, and South Korea said that superstition was leading travelers to avoid once popular Thai beaches. The December 26th tsunami killed about 8,000 people in southwestern Thailand. <clears throat> Most of the bodies were indeed lost at sea. Said Eric Wu of the Taipei Association of Travel Agents, the number of deaths in the tsunami was just too high. So there's a strong psychological element. I was thumbing through a copy of Money magazine recently, not, not a magazine I, I read frequently, but you know, it's the usual, uh, the obligatory how to earn more, save more, invest better, spend wisely, and protect your family now type of article. I, I just find myself unable to resist. They seem to always have advice like, put all your change in a piggy bank. At the end of the year, you'll discover that you've made a thousand dollars. Well, to <laughs> which I always think, no, no, you haven't made anything. You've just, <laughs> you've created an annoying, constant shortage of change in your pocket for the sake of later on going, hey, look at all the money I found. But actually, I think that's pretty good advice compared to the following, which came from this uh, 50 smart test out of money. Here's some good advice. Dicker with the doctor. For routine and scheduled procedures like orthodontics, MRIs, colonoscopies, or medically prescribed physical therapy, call your insurer and find out what it considers a reasonable and customary amount for the treatment. Then see if your doctor can match it. He or she probably will. Patients who ask a lower price get it about half the time. Yeah, I find that to be really wonderful advice when most of my physician friends are, you know, out there earning. Yeah, well, let's put it this way. I, I can cite you many, many of my physician friends who are out working hard and making, say, $78 an hour, which is about what I seem to keep paying, you know, the guy with the nose ring to come over and fix my Mac every time I've got a problem. Or for that matter, the plumber. A friend of mine is a plumber. He's making 68 plus bucks an hour. <laughs> you know, somehow those, all those long hours in residency just are seeming a little gloomy at the moment. Not that I went into it for the dough, but, uh, but you know, don't, 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 please, don't dicker with the doctor, please. This one you can take to the bank. I first heard this listening to a radio show, listening to a wise radio talk show host, Bill Wattenberg, who I don't 
always agree with politically, but he is, he's a smart guy. You have to give him that at all times. He said on a show about 15 years ago that if you're paying for premium gas, you're throwing away money. All new cars and recent vintage cars in the United States have to run on regular unleaded gasoline, the cheapest one at the pump. Never buy premium gasoline. This, at the end of the year, will save you, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, I just pulled up the Harper's Index from, uh, from, from about last month. And, you know, we haven't done this in a while. They always have such wonderful items like the following. The annual cost of all 16 UN peacekeeping missions currently underway is $3,870,000,000. The monthly cost of the United States occupation of Iraq is $4,100,000,000. And yes, that's monthly versus yearly. Harper's notes that the uh, number of merit badges in safety awarded to Boy Scouts since 2001 15,400. <laughs> the number of merit badges awarded for shotgun shooting was 65,200. talk about as we end this segment. The estimated number of U.S. intelligence reports on Iraq that were based on a single defector? 100. Number of times that defector had ever been interviewed by U.S. intelligence agents? Zero. This, of course, brings up the two, uh, the two smoldering uh, brush fire, uh, potentially explosive uh, news stories that involve uh, government versus the press. New York Times reporter Judith Miller, who is, uh, along with Time Magazine reporter Matthew Cooper, facing jail for refusing to reveal that Karl Rove leaked them information about CIA agent Valerie Plame in direct political retaliation for Joseph Wilson standing up and telling the American people in an op-ed piece in the New York Times that he knew darn well there was no uranium from Niger that had found its way to Iraq, and he clearly informed the U.S. government of that. So for George Bush to make that statement in the State of the Union is, uh, well, it's lying. The Downing Street memos address this very issue of how to soften up the American public and get them ready for a war in Iraq, a war upon a nation that did not attack us on September 11, 2001, but which has been constantly linked with that event to establish in the public's mind a connection that does not, in fact, exist. The strange part about all this how, is how the press is basically going to bat for Karl Rove. And, of course, with Rove's reputation, you know that he thought this step out. The press is going to bat for these reporters, claiming that they need to have protection for anonymous sources to do their job properly. But in this case, we're not talking about the press serving as a watchdog. We're talking about the press being used as a tool by the powers that be to obscure what really happened, i.e. that uh, the president's advisor, Mr. Rove, set out to torpedo Ambassador Joe Wilson uh, in a game of, uh, you know, hardball politics. 
I want to quote from a, from a great email I received from, uh, from Jerry, a regular contributor. He said, I plan to drink some bubbly the moment they close that jailhouse door behind Judith Miller. She may enjoy playing the martyr, but I suspect when her real role is discovered, she will be out of a job, will be scorned by all those in the media now toasting her, and she will be a convicted felon. I don't think it's going to happen, but I certainly, uh, I certainly share Jerry's um, zeal. Judith Miller has gotten her facts wrong again and again. That Harper's reference to a, to a, a source that was the, the generated a hundred CIA reports, probably is referring to some of the some of the data that came through Judith Miller, uh, originating in Ahmed Chalabe, who basically repeated back what uh, was convenient to for someone to say about all these weapons programs in Iraq, which, of course, were never found once we got there. We'd also like to refer you to uh, the Vanity Fair article in the July 2005 uh, issue on the power of Rove. <laughs> Did you catch this? Uh, Karl Rove giving a speech a couple weeks back where he said, quote, Conservatives saw the savagery of 9-11 and the attacks and prepared for war. Liberals saw the savagery of the 9-11 attacks and wanted to prepare indictments and offer therapy and understanding for our attackers. Well, as, as a famous uh, uh, German politician once said, the people are much more willing to fall for the big lie than they are for the small one. Or, or was that Machiavelli? I'm really keen to see what special prosecutor Patrick Fitzgerald is going to do in the Valerie Plame case. Everyone seems puzzled by the fact that columnist Robert Novak has not even been called before a grand jury. Nobody seems to want to pin down Mr. Novak, even though he's the acknowledged uh, uh, conduit for uh, the Valerie Plame story. We're privileged to have had Ambassador Joe Wilson uh, on our public affairs uh, program here on KDVS some months back. He said he had uh, had great confidence in Mr. Fitzgerald, and uh, and uh, well, hopefully as things evolve, we'll be able to get him back to, to tell us uh, tell us his side of the story. All right, that does it for this segment. Uh, we'll be back in the next to talk about the caravan to Cuba that will be stopping in Davis on July 9th. This is the 16th annual Friendship Caravan to Cuba. We'll be talking with Pablo Stansberry about that effort uh, after a short break. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Mm-hmm.